There is not a single thing that Jesus cannot change, control, and conquer because he is the living Lord. That's from Franklin Graham. Hi, I'm Rob West. It's a great comfort to know that we are never alone when we face uncertainties in this life. We have a God who listens to prayer. Sharon Epps joins us today to talk about facing the unknown with faith. And then it's on to your questions at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance Live, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, every now and then, it's nice to get a pep talk to buoy our spirits, and Sharon Epps is just the person to do it. She's president of Kingdom Advisors, and she's here to help us deal with these uncertain economic times. Sharon, great to have you back. Thank you. Sharon, I know you've been doing some research about uncertainty, and you've uncovered some really interesting things. So why don't you share what you've learned? Well, we know that economic uncertainty is certain. It will happen. But did you know that the International Monetary Fund has actually produced a world uncertainty index? Okay. It covers 143 countries with data for the past 60 years. And right now, that uncertainty is about as high as it's been since 2000. Hmm. And this is a concern because uncertainty can lead to fear, decision paralysis, and irrational decision making. There's no question about that. So let's talk about some practical steps we can take during uncertain times. Well, first, we want to remember that God's in control. And let's focus on his promises. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you in Hebrews 13, 5. He also says that if we have food and clothing, we can be content in 1 Timothy 6, 8. And so we need to realize that his promises are what give us the certainty that we need. We also can't avoid the consequences of an economy that has not followed God's principles in its decision making. Mm. We need to know that God owns it all and we're managing it for him. And we need to be willing to ask ourselves, what's the worst thing that could happen? I think that's a great question to help overcome fear is just go ahead and say, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then follow it up with what's the likelihood of that happening? Remember how God has sustained us in the past. And then we also want to avoid the trap of thinking this is the worst it's ever been. Mm, Um, Think back, biblical times, I could list a number, but let's just think about the Israelites. When they were released from Egypt, they were celebrating being freed from slavery, but they were out in the desert with nothing to prepare them for food, clothing, shelter, and yet God took care of them. And even in recent history, I thought this was interesting. The Harvard Business Review late last year said that over the last six years, we've had to grapple with five major uncertainty shocks. Hmm. It was Brexit in 2016, the U.S. presidential election, the China-U.S. trade tensions, the COVID pandemic, and then, of course, the Ukraine war and currently the Israel war. So lots going on. And we just need to avoid that trap of thinking this is the worst it's ever been. And then finally, we need to be sure we're following God's principles. We can only control our decisions and we need to rest assured knowing that we've done everything we can to manage our life well. Yeah, that's so helpful just to put it all in perspective. And I love that you said it needs to come back to what we can actually do, managing our own economies. Uh, And you tell us often there's four things we can do with money. There's money we live on, the money we give, the money we owe, and the money we grow. What are some quick, specific things we can do in each of those four areas? Well, you're going to think this is repetitious, but in living, we want to spend less than we earn. Giving, we want to practice open-handed generosity. 
owing, we want to avoid the use of debt, and growing, we want to save diligently for future needs. Yeah, that's really helpful. Now, I know you also have some information about how folks can take a proactive approach to dealing with uncertainty and help others in the process. Tell us about that. Absolutely. At the end of the day, certainty is only found in God, our creator, sustainer, and provider. And that's why I'm excited about the work that FaithFi is doing to point people to God and his unchanging principles. As we look forward to 2024, we want to invite you to partner with FaithFi as we continue to create a movement of faithful stewards who withstand economic uncertainty by loving God, loving their neighbor, and making wise decisions with the money God has trusted to them. If you'd like to help us reach our 250000 end-of-year fundraising goal, please consider a monthly or one-time financial gift to FaithFi by going to faithfi.com and click Give before December 31st. That's exactly right. And any gift to FaithFi has a ripple effect because it helps others get their finances in order so they can give more to God's kingdom. Again, faithfi.com, just click Give. Now, Sharon, will you stick around and answer some questions with us? I would love to. All right. Call right now, 800. 800- 525-7000. Rob West and Sharon Epps with you today on Faith and Finance Live. Biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. We'll be right back. The opinions offered during this program represent the personal or professional opinions of the participants given for informational purposes only. Any information provided is not intended to replace advice from a financial, medical, legal, or other professional who understands your specific situation. So glad to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live here at Moody Radio. I'm Rob West. With me today, Sharon Epps, and together we're taking your calls and questions now on anything financial, whether you want to continue the conversation on economic and financial uncertainty or turn the page to whatever you're dealing with in your financial life as you live, give, owe, and grow, we'd love to tackle it with you, point you back to Scripture and the principles we see in God's Word and help you make a decision with confidence. We've got some lines open. The calls will come quickly, so call right now with your financial question. 800 525 is the number to call. Again, our team is standing by. 800-525-7000. All right, let's dive in. Uh, Karen in Lakeland, how can we help you? Yes. So I just got a car. It's a 2012. Um, um, I, bought it, I bought it used. So I had to put down $3,000. So um, credit acceptance is who I have the, um, the loan through. So it's not really a surplus money I have, but I want to put down on the eleven thousand. Yeah, we lost you. We lost you there for a second. You said you wanted to put down how much, Karen? I wanted to pay down on the loan. The loan yeah. that I have paying on now is eleven thousand. Okay. So I want to put down like um, seven thousand, like next month. Nothing yeah. has to do with it. So how do I go about doing it? Um, like when I should I call credit acceptance and say I want to put such and such money towards the loan? Mm, yeah. Well, Karen, we're glad that you want to add to the loan. One quick question I would ask you: Do you have an emergency savings built up? Yes, I do. 
good. Yes. So that we want you to pay off debt, but we always want to make sure that you have an emergency savings before you put a lot of cash towards debt. So from a practical standpoint, you would pay the additional amount the same way that you pay your monthly payment. Um, if you have a monthly payment coupon you send in, you could just send the additional amount that way. Or you could go ahead and call your lender and ask them to apply it either way. Karen, thanks for your call today. Keep in mind, the payment is not going to change. That scheduled payment will stay the same unless you pay it off in full, which it goes away at that point, or you refinance. But as long as you're able to continue that monthly payment and, to Sharon's point, have that emergency fund, we love the idea of you accelerating this payoff. Thanks for your call. Uh, Let's go to Chicago. Hi, Larry. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm 64 years old. I could retire tomorrow. I'm in pretty good financial shape. My house is paid for. Uh, the wife works. She makes good money, good insurance. I'm working now and have uh, a pretty good job, pretty good income. Uh, my question is, um, with you know, based on the fact that my Social Security and her Social Security and her pension, we would actually be making more money now if we retired than if we kept working. But we both enjoy our jobs. So since I don't have uh, 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 any IRA or Roth IRA money put aside to speak of because of paying for my daughter's college and so forth. I am now putting about 95% of my check every week into retirement savings that is also matched by my company. So my, my question is, I don't know if should I, my allotment right now is 50, 50, 50% in a Roth IRA and 50% in a regular IRA. I don't know based on being 64, what I should do is terms of should I go 100% IRA, 100% Roth IRA? Is my mix good, or do you have any advice on that? Yeah, it's a great question. So, how far out from retirement do you think you are? Um, I would say at least to six years, to seventy. I'll get the. I'm looking at gaining the full eight percent a year on my on my uh, Social Security. God willing that uh, my health keeps up, but um, yeah. you know if if. If if something happens and I have to retire, well, I'm like I said, I'm not concerned that that I won't get the full, uh, you know, the full uh, the the full Monty, as I like to say, at uh, yeah. at uh, at seventy years old. Gotcha. Okay, very good. And the majority of your income will be covered uh, by your pension, correct? So this is really just supplemental savings for retirement. No, yeah, this is a supplement. It's not, I don't have a pension. My wife has a pension. Okay. So with my Social Security maxed out at about 3200 a month and hers at about 3200 a month and another five grand a month on her pension, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at it being okay for, for you know, everyday money. You know, it's not yeah. going to hurt us when we retire. Plus the house is paid for. So the only thing we're looking at is, you know, that monthly bill family that visits me every month, the, the Xfinity, the Verizon, yeah. the, you know, sure. those types of things. Yeah, very good. Well, you know, the the thing that we don't know, the unknown, if you will, is where taxes are going to be and whether you'd benefit more from the tax deduction now or the ability to pull out tax-free uh, in retirement. And a lot of that has to do with what your income is going to be. So a lot of folks will prioritize a traditional IRA contribution in the latter part of their working years because their income is at the peak level. It's going to drop in retirement as you move to more passive income 
and therefore, you know, they benefit more from the current tax deduction as it goes in versus the Roth, which is more helpful in the earlier years. Uh, the only wild card here is we're probably at the lower end, if not the low end of the tax brackets. Tax Cuts and Jobs Act will expire in 2025. Taxes are likely going higher. All that's predicated on the next presidential election in Congress. But if taxes are going anywhere, they're probably going up. So one benefit to you continuing to fund the Roth is you go ahead and pay the tax now on our lower tax rates. And then the second added benefit is you don't have to pull it out at 73 for the required minimum. You could just let it continue to grow and then give it away to your heirs. So I would say either stay with that 50-50 or prioritize the Roth since so much of your retirement is in a tax-deferred environment and you'll be paying taxes on it as it's paid out to you through your wife's pension. Does that all make sense? Yeah, so so what I'm understanding is either stick with the 50-50 or lean more towards the Roth, like a 70-30 or 60-40? Yeah, ultimately you need to make this call or you could visit with your advisor. But, yeah, I think just at a high level, you know, if you know, given where tax rates are, one consideration is that, you know, you'll do better to go ahead and, and take that, uh, you know, pay the tax now at these lower rates uh, and then have the ability to let that money just to continue to grow. If you don't need it, you're not going to have to pull it out with a required minimum on a Roth. And so you could either leave it set where it is and continue to build both the tax-deferred and the tax-free bucket in the traditional and the Roth, or maybe skew even more heavily toward the Roth would just be one consideration. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. I, I was unaware that there was a uh, there was no required uh, uh, minimum withdrawal from a Roth when you hit a certain age. That's right. Yeah, it, it's unique to the Roth. It certainly is the case with the traditional, uh, the pre-tax, whether it's a 401k or an IRA. You have to take that money out. You don't with the Roth because they've already got their money. So they'll let you uh, continue to let that grow. Hey, Larry, God bless you, my friend. Thanks for being on the program today. We're grateful. Well, Sharon Epps uh, with me today. We're taking your calls and questions, and it looks like we have four lines open. So when we come back from this break, we'll continue to tackle the questions on your mind today. Call right now, 800-525-7000. We'll look forward to speaking to you. This is Faith and Finance Live on Moody Radio. We'll be right back. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West. Sharon Epps here today. We're taking your calls and questions. Looks like all the lines are full, so let's dive right back in. We'll go to Ocala. Hi, Kathy. How can we help? Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, my elderly father has uh, drafted up a document. I believe it's called a life and life estate deed, and wherein um, the house that he owns and lives in, along with his caregiver, which is my oldest brother, um, is willed to the three of us. And my question is, sir, I have uh, been auditing my dad's finances and um, I'm about to take over um, paying his bills and whatnot, but he has a lot of credit card debt. And I wondered if he should pass away, um, would they put a lien against his house before the house could be sold and distributed you know, equally to the three of us? Yeah. 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 Kathy, that's a great question. When he passes, um, all of his assets and debt will go into the estate and would be 
paid out of that. So I guess part of the question is, are there other assets other than the house that could be used to pay off the debt? No, ma'am. Okay. All right. So it does sound like the house would need to be sold to honor the debt. Now, from a standpoint of a lien, the credit card uh, issuers don't have a right to attach a lien to the home um, because it's not a mortgage property. It is a credit card, an unsecured, what we call an unsecured debt. So they wouldn't have the right to attach a lien, but they could come against the estate for payment of the loan of the credit cards. So you would want to be sure that there's a plan to sell the house, to communicate with the creditors, your intentions and a desire to pay it off from the estate as soon as the house is sold. Okay, I'm helpful, in the Kathy? process of, um, yes, sir, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking into uh, p- possible, um, uh, what is it, some kind of agreement where you go into um, to negotiate your debt and make a mm-hmm. monthly payment through um, one of the credit services. Yeah, so a debt management program? Yes, sir. Yeah, I believe very you good. mentioned one. Yeah, ChristianCreditCounselors.org would be the one that we recommend. Okay, great. Um, I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy. Yes, let's go to Loretta, also in Florida. How are you today, and how can we help you? I'm fine, and you all? Doing great. Thanks. Great. I uh, Thank you for taking my call. I have a question about annuities. Can you explain annuity to me, annuities? I have an old 401K in the company I used to work with sitting there and paying paying fees out of it. So I figured paying those fees is going to dwindle down. So what are your thoughts about the annuities? Has somebody recommended an annuity to you? Yes. Um, someone recommended annuity to me versus a, I guess, rollover to a Roth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Typically, we prefer that you um, roll over into a, an IRA. And the reason for that is that you know exactly what your fees are. There are you've got a very clear ability to help control your investments in an annuity. Sometimes that's a little bit harder to determine and is is a little bit trickier to manage. And so we do recommend that you look at the IRA. It's a lot more straightforward to understand understand and manage uh, through the ups and downs of the market. And you can roll that out of your company account in what's called a direct rollover. You don't have tax implications in that. We do recommend that you do that. How much do you have, if you don't mind me asking, Loretta, in that 401k? It's, it's, it's probably a little over 100000 thereabouts, maybe 200 I haven't been minded it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the best option, to Sharon's point, when you roll that out, you may want to look at connecting with an advisor, perhaps a certified kingdom advisor there in Florida who could explain to you what your options are. You know, those that go with an annuity typically are looking to minimize risk and transfer that to an insurance company. But to Sharon's point, they're complicated and expensive, and you lose access, at least for a period of time, to the capital. So having an advisor that could manage that inside an IRA would give you ultimate flexibility, control over the investments and the full upside, even though you are taking the risk on the downside, that would just be managed through diversified, a diversified portfolio. And you can, you know, be as conservative or the advisor can be as conservative as you would like based on your goals. Do you have an advisor or would you need to locate one? I do not have one. I would have to locate one. 
Okay, yeah. So we can help with that at faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. Right there at the top of the page, it'll say, Find a CKA, and that stands for Certified Kingdom Advisor. And these are men and women who've met high standards and character and competence and experience, but they've also been trained to bring a biblically uh, wise approach to financial decision-making, okay? Okay, great. <laughs> Very good. Hey, um, are okay. you? Uh, how far off are you from retirement, or are you just changing jobs? Um, I'm probably about six to seven years from retirement, or longer. Okay. I just I don't. I love working. Okay, good. Well, God created us to be workers, so I I think that's probably hardwired into your DNA. Well, listen, Loretta, thanks for being on the program today. We appreciate it. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. Likewise. God bless you. All right. Take care. Well, we're going to continue to take some phone calls, Sharon, uh, just after this break. We've got about a minute before that break. You know, we started today by talking about economic uncertainty. And one of the opportunities we have in uncertain times is to continue to be generous, which is a testimony to those looking on that our trust is squarely placed in the Lord, isn't it? It absolutely is. In fact, we believe that giving is the best way not only to demonstrate it to the world, but also to yourself that you are fully reliant on God. And remember, there's ways to give both financially and with your time. So no matter where you are in in your uncertainty, there are ways that you can be generous. And it's a great way to avoid that depression and hopelessness when we're only focused on ourselves. Yeah. That's exactly right. And especially this time of year, what a great opportunity to really be thoughtful and strategic, even intentional about your generosity, whether that's financially or to Sharon's point in other ways, generous with your influence, generous with your time. Maybe there's somebody on your street or in your church who could use some company, or you may want to get creative in your gift making, whatever it might be. This is a great time in these uncertain times, especially for those in your on your path in your community who are in need. Maybe they're hurting this time of year for you to step in and be the, the hands and feet of Jesus. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more of your questions. Looks like we've got two lines open, 800-525-7000. Rob West and Sharon Epps with you today here on Faith and Finance Live. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Faith and Finance Live on Moody. I'm Sharon Epps sitting in the studio today with Rob West, and we're having a great time taking your calls and listening. We'd love to jump in right away with Catherine from Alabama. How can we help you today, Catherine? Hi, thank you for taking my call. My husband and I have gone to the same church for 30 plus years. Um, It is very much a Bible-based church. We have a lot of new, younger staff right now, though. And um, while we've always been a financially secure church, um, the church has, um, it seems as if, well, it is. There's a lot of talk going on amongst the members that the church is now kind of in the hole in terms of money, the staff having overspent and um, not being very transparent about it. And we don't think it's anything, um, you know, that they intended to be um, um, hidden about or anything. But um, what, what do we do in terms of our tithing if the church is not transparent, they've overspent money, the church is in the hole, and um, as 
you know, tithers and and we're trying to take care of what God has given us correctly, what should we do um, in this case? Catherine, I want to hear Sharon's thoughts on this. Just a quick question, though. Um, what leads you to believe that they are in the hole or have overspent, especially given what you said about a lack of transparency? Um, have you seen some financial information, or did they disclose that in a business yes. meeting? Yes, they disclosed part of it in the in the business meetings and on the financial reports they put out. But they do not disclose it all, and they don't seem to be open to doing so. Well, Catherine, that is a difficult thing, especially in a church that you've been at for a long time. I would suggest that perhaps the Lord has you there uh, to offer your wisdom and maturity. And so I would really encourage you to follow the biblical model for uh, conflict resolution, and that would be to ask to sit down with the elders or the leadership of the church, express your concerns directly, ask questions, and uh, perhaps volunteer to walk alongside of them as they figure out the case forward. And I think the way they respond to that will give you an indication of uh whether or not you need to continue to press into those issues. Um, but I certainly, it doesn't sound like you would do this. I certainly would encourage you to limit talking to other people in the congregation, but directly go to the source, those that are keeping the books and can tell you exactly where they are. Um, I don't think we want to withhold ties as a way of guiding or uh, manipulating uh, the leadership. I think it's a matter of determining whether this is a leadership that God uh, would have you continue to follow. And I think the way you have to do that is in conversation with them. I would really encourage uh, you to reach out and ask to do that. What are your thoughts on that, Catherine? Um, I don't feel um, that I have the knowledge really to do all of that, but I do know that people in our church who do accountants, et cetera, have approached them, questioned them, asked them for the full information disclosure and have been met with, um, um, I'm not going to say hostility, but they don't seem to want to do this. Yeah. Well, I think to Sharon's point, I think the extent to which you can be that source of, you know, anytime there are side conversations going on, perhaps you're the one that steps up and says, you know, what, let me encourage you to go talk to, you know, the leadership and raise this issue. And to the extent that's already been attempted and not been received well, obviously that's a data point. I think showing up and being involved in the church, you know, perhaps, you know, those who are on the finance committee and uh, lay leaders that are involved, uh, even being a part of those business meetings. Meetings. I mean, that's a forum where, you know, these kinds of conversations are invited alongside what Sharon mentioned about where someone who is knowledgeable and has concerns might schedule a meeting directly with the pastor or other leaders in the church. So I think, you know, just continuing to be that source of encouraging people to follow the biblical model, as Sharon said, continuing to be a tither, being faithful, but then just trusting and praying that the Lord would make it clear, uh, you know, that they would, you know, receive this well and perhaps respond to the concerns, not only from you, but it sounds like others as well, but trying to limit to the much, you know, as much as you can, kind of these side conversations and any, you know, dispersion that might be among the congregation. So, Catherine, we'll certainly ask the Lord to give you some wisdom here. And, uh, you know, as you navigate this, this is not easy. We appreciate it. It is a difficult decision for you. So thank you so much for uh, putting the Lord first as you're thinking about it. Well, Miriam in Minnesota, how can we help you today? 
Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I'm a, a recent widow this year, and I've got some CDs, one that just came due and one that's coming due in a couple of weeks. And, of course, I don't have my husband here to consult with anymore. Um, I, my financial person called and gave me the different rates. And um, if I went with like a six-month CD, the rate would be, the interest rate would be 535 but um, she was encouraging me to go with like a year and a half to two years, which would be lower interest rate, um, but guaranteed for a longer time. Um, the two-year would be as low as 4.8, which is still pretty good. But I, I'm just not sure what to do. If I should go for the higher interest rate, a shorter term, either six months or nine months, or go for the lesser interest, but a longer guaranteed rate. Well, Miriam, I'm glad you called. And first of all, I'm just so sorry for your loss. I know it's a difficult time. And actually, that is really going to guide my answer more than the interest rate. And that is, I would not encourage you to make long-term decisions about anything right now in this season. And so I think it's actually a very wise decision to go with the shorter-term CD at the 5.35. Yes, it is a higher rate, but it's actually just buying you some time to come out of the fog of your loss and look at your plan over. Overall. And so we really counsel anybody within their first year of widowhood to take things carefully, make short-term decisions, and as you emerge from this first year, things will become a lot clearer and easier to make decisions um, along the way. Hey, Miriam, let me offer one other thing. You know, I'd love for you uh, to stay on the line when we're done here today. There's a book that's been a blessing to uh, a lot of women in uh, the same position. It's called Wise Women Managing Money. It was written by Miriam Neff as she navigated this season following her husband's passing and uh, took on the mantle of uh, responsibility financially and really seeking to be a wise steward, having not really been in that position before. And I think it will be an encouragement to you. And we'd love to just send it to you as our gift uh, to you. So if you wouldn't mind, just stay on the line uh, when we're finished here today. Our team will get your information and we'll get that right out to you. But did you have any other follow-up questions or thoughts on what Sharon shared? Um, no, I that that has been my main thing. I've just been praying about it and thinking about it. What do I do? Um, it's not money that I need right away, um, but I just wanted to do the, the, the wise thing, the, what the Lord would have me to do. Um, and just um, thank you. I appreciate your help, and I appreciate the, the offer of the book. We're delighted to do it, Miriam. The Lord is with you, and uh, we uh, know during this season, we're going to pray that uh, you just have a lot of folks around you encouraging you and lifting you up, and I'm delighted that we could spend a few moments with you today as well. God bless you. Well, folks, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Sharon Epps here today. Uh, coming up just around the corner, Bob Dahl stops by with his market update, and then we'll take a few more of your questions as well. We've got some good ones coming up. This is Faith and Finance Live. Stick around. We'll be right back. Well, it's great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West. Sharon Epps in the studio today. We've been answering your questions today. And before we head back to the phones, uh, we want to take a moment to hear from our good friend Bob Dahl. He joins us each week with his market commentary and analysis. And Bob, I know you're out with your uh, deliberations for this week and talking about Goldilocks. Give us some insight into that. <laughs> Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Didn't you That's have that right. story when you were uh, Absolutely. It's a classic. <laughs> 
Yes, it is. And the, the story of Goldilocks, of course, is not too hot, not too cold. And mm. that's exactly the dream for the economy, that it's not too hot, so we have to worry about overheating and inflation, but not too cold, so we have to worry about earnings. It's, yeah. in a, some sense, nirvana. And that's uh, the consensus is hoping for that and uh, maybe believing that's possible. Um, and uh, t- time will tell. The other side of the story, of course, is not so fast. It's never perfect out there, and uh, we do have to worry about economic slowdown because don't forget the Fed raised rates from zero to five and a quarter in, 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 in 18 short months, and we still have the consequences from that. So jury's out. It's a confusing time, but I guess it's always confusing. Uh, it seems like it is. Bob, where do you think we're headed next year, just based on your analysis of where we stand? And I know it's almost time for you to start working on your 10 predictions, so this is probably rolling around in the back of your mind, huh? Yeah, it, it is. My view, Rob, as you probably know, is that we still have some economic weakness in front of us. A lot of leading ind- economic indicators, and even some some of the coincident ones, are showing some signs of, I'll call it, getting tired. Uh, doesn't mean we have to have a horrible period. Uh, we could end up labeling it a recession, but I think this Goldilocks, it's going to be fine as far as the eye can see, is probably a little too idealistic. Yeah. Well, Bob, I know one of the areas that we've been talking about today is uncertainty, and that's certainly where we are in these economic times. And something that hits many of our families is decisions about their housing. Um, Should we move? Should we take advantage of our price uh, growth over these last couple of years and move to something else? What, What would you say you see coming in the housing market? So so most people, as you know, from the low turnover in housing have concluded, I'm going to stay right where I am because after we move to another house, that's a lot of hassle. And the house that I might sell, I may get a nice price, but the house I'm going to buy, it's a crazy price too. And so uh, uh, people are voting to stay right where they are. And of course, with mortgage rates having moved up a bunch in the last couple of years, that makes it more prohibitive. So housing uh, activity has really come to a grinding halt, even, Sharon, as prices have stayed pretty firm, which is the nice surprise. Bob, let's finish today on this theme of uncertainty. You know, when we face uncertainty, it's always helpful to follow this biblical principle of maintaining a long-term perspective, and I know that's something you would encourage our listeners, right? Absolutely. Uh, g- getting caught up in the short term uh, ends up, you're chasing your tail in a sense, and Most people don't get the short-term moves right because it's crowd psychology. So have a plan, make a plan, have a financial advisor that can give you good biblical advice. Stick to that plan and kind of hold your nose through the thick and the thin. (laughs) Well said. Bob, thanks for your time, my friend. God bless you. All the best. Bye. All right. That's Bob Dolly's Chief Investment Officer at Crossmark Global Investments. You can sign up for his weekly market commentary at crossmarkglobal.com. All right. Let's head back to the phones. We'll round out the program today with your questions to Chattanooga. Sophia, I'm so glad you've gotten on the program today. How can we help? Um, yes. My question is about um, developing a, an emergency savings. Like after um, when you're Social Security and retirement pension are guaranteed. Is it necessary to do an emergency savings um, monthly? After I pay my bills, I have about 50% of my income left, and then I do pay 
extra, I'm paying down 5000 in credit card debt that I have left to pay out. And um, it was just a little bit more than that. But of it, so I'll pay extra on that. But then I find that each month I'm just spending what's left after paying my bills, which has been a significant amount. Now, starting in January, I do plan to pay um, like 1000 extra monthly on my mortgage. But um, how do I discipline myself to stop spending what's left over? Oh, that's a great question, Sophia. And I think you answered it actually in your question. And that is when we wait till it's left over, it just disappears. And so the best thing that we can do is to actually pay down whatever you're going to pay down first or put in savings what you're going to put in savings first and then live on the rest. So the order matters. And a lot of people are challenged with having what's left over and thinking, I'll put that in savings. And then there's none left over. So I think Mm -hmm. you're thinking correctly. Absolutely. We do want you to have emergency savings, even if your income is guaranteed because your expenses aren't guaranteed. And so emergency savings is both for a loss in income, but also for for unexpected expenses. And so you never know when that car may break down, you may have an unexpected medical bill. So we do want to encourage you, even while you're paying down debt, to be sure that that emergency account is funded. Thank you, Sophia, for calling today. Good to talk to you. Glad you were with us. Let's move now to Jake in Lebanon, Maryland. How can we help you today, Jake? Hi. Uh, I just thank you for taking my call, first off. Um, I'm honestly really new to expenses i was uh i was a stay-at-home dad for five years and as we know during that time that doesn't pay much <laughs> and i uh, i've uh, i had some old bills that w- that were piling up on my credit and right now i'm getting back to managing my own finances and trying to build credit i've recently taken out two loans I, i've got a, a smaller one and then a larger one i was wondering if it would be a good idea to pay off the smaller one with the larger one and just go with one way of building credit. I also have a small credit card as well, but I'm, I'm looking to buy a house in the near future. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really new to this truly. Well, thanks for asking the question. And first of all, stay at home, dad, your payment comes in love from your children and internal yeah. investment there. So I would just want to encourage you that that's a great role to have. But as you're looking at building your credit, I want to just encourage you that um, taking loans when you need them for purposes of uh, a, a purchase that is uh, escalating value is good. Taking loans just to take loans in the long run probably isn't the most effective way. So I, I think I would start with, do you have an emergency savings built up? Do you have liquidity? Let's look at that in first, and then we'll look at your credit. Well, truly, I, I, my, my soon-to-be ex-wife managed all the finances, and uh, I, I started from zero three months ago, and I, I've already built up my credit in those three months to where I've, I can actually get these loans. But as far as any, any extras, I'm, I'm, there is none. 
Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's what we want you to focus on. And I don't know if there's an opportunity to cut some expenses, increase some income, but we want you to get some liquidity, some emergency savings set aside. I would say your first goal, start with $1,000. Can I save $1,000 to put in a simple savings account to access when I need it so that I don't have to go back to debt? And as you start building that savings, then you can accelerate your loan payoffs and continue to build your credit. But you definitely will want to build some liquidity or cash in the bank uh, before you do much more on the borrowing side. I think that's great advice to those loans, Jake. Um, Tell us quickly just what kinds of loans those are and the interest rates. For instance, are they both personal loans with no collateral? Uh, One's a personal loan with no collateral and the other one is a title loan with secured. Okay. And what are the interest rates on them? I think one is, I want to say, 22%, and that's the uh, that's the secured one. And then the small one is like 37%. It's extremely high. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so we want to stay away from those. We want to get those paid off as quick as you can. I think even with those high interest rates, having that 500 or or $1,000 that Sharon mentioned is important to break the cycle of borrowing. But then let's get those paid off as quick as we can. Probably not trying to merge them or paying them off, uh, you know, one with the other, but just really prioritizing starting with that one at 37%. Let's do this. Um, We'd love to have, just as our gift to you, uh, a certified Christian financial counselor reach out to you, Jake. Uh, He can uh, or she can do a couple of things. Number one, help you set up your spending plan since that's not been something previously you've had to do. Uh, Perhaps they can teach you some tricks of the trade to kind of get that budget in place, create a control system to control the flow of money in and out. The second is help to advise you on how to handle this debt and put a plan together to pay it off as quickly as possible. There won't be any cost for that. It's just something we'd love to be able to do to help you get pointed in the right direction. So Jake, why don't you stay on the line and uh, we'll get uh, somebody in contact with you. It'll be a certified Christian financial counselor. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate your advice. Hey, delighted to do it. God bless you, Jake. And uh, we appreciate you being on the program. Sharon, we're short on time. You know, let's bring this full circle today. Just thinking about where we started, even some of the questions we've tackled today. Where would you like to finish as we wrap this up? Well, I think just back where we started, and that is let's rely on the promises of God in our tough situations, whether you've just lost a spouse or you're just now establishing credit. Um, Spend time in his word, claim those promises, and don't do it alone. Be sure that you're in community with other believers who can encourage you along the way. Yeah, that is so critical. I always love when you uh, sit in on these broadcasts and answer these questions. I appreciate your wisdom and your insight. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. That was Sharon Epps, president of Kingdom Advisors, and we're so thankful that you joined us today for the broadcast. I hope you're leaving encouraged, pointed back to God as your true provider with your trust squarely in Him, relying on the principles in Scripture as you uh, manage the money God has entrusted to you. Faith and Finance Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and Faith 5 for Laura, Dan, Tahira, and Jim. We're Rob West and Sharon Epps, and we'll see you next time on this program, Faith and Finance Live. Bye-bye.